we're going to control what we can control and we're going to evaluate the market and we're going to understand what the rules of the game are as best we can. And we're going to try to understand our audience and try to find our niche and get ourselves as smart as we can. And the idea of fretting over what one of the two big dogs are doing and what product they may be releasing and, and whatever that may be is very akin to like, they just brought in another guy who is just playing at a higher level and it's playing my same position. It's just like, what am I going to do about it right now? It's just like, we, we talk about it. It's just like, I'm going to throw his stuff in the shower and I'm going to, am I going to like, 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 like break his skates or something? It's like, no, it's just like, I'm going to go out there and do what I can do and control what I can control. And work like hell for that space of what I can control. That's kind of how we view like a lot of the like happenings in our space, big guys, small guys, whatever it may be. And even conversely, it's just like, all right, what can we use from what they're doing to learn and be better? Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I'm your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today we are talking with Jared and Brandon Smith, who <laughs> more commonly are known around these parts as the Numa Bros. And the Numa journey for them began back as hockey-playing brothers who couldn't quite stand the sugar-packed artificial sports drinks that we have become accustomed to in the world of fitness. And so they founded NUMA with a mission to combine the science of sports nutrition with high quality functional ingredients, organic, plant-based, and real without any added sugar, to make products that actually taste great and ultimately work. My favorite conversations have been those that explore the companies that work towards this goal of a triple bottom line, doing good and doing well at the same time. And NUMA is no exception here as a certified B Corp helping empower people to be the best and healthiest versions of themselves. Jared and Brandon really embody the spirit and values of NUMA and it was an absolute pleasure to hear their story. So pour yourself some NUMA, <laughs> do something active and take a listen. So th th this is actually my, my first podcast with two guests. And whenever I listen to podcasts with two guests, I've always been frustrated when I can't tie the names to the voices of the people who are speaking. So I'd love to just start this on like a logistics note and shore that up for the, for the benefit of everyone tuning in. So if you could both just please introduce yourselves, I think that would be the, the best place to start. Sure. This is Brandon Smith, one of the NUMA bros, but Jeff, got to be honest, I feel like we're most people just kind of view us as one person um, and we're just kind of collectively <laughs> known as the bros. So if it, if it kind of bleeds together, that's, that's kind of just real life. So uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll let it, we'll let it blend. And I'm Jared, Brandon's younger brother. Not sure if this introduction is going to help you in a couple minutes from now, but uh, yeah, if there's any jokes or anything funny, it's coming from me. You're starting to veer off course. It's probably Brandon. So we'll leave it at that. We'll keep, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I appreciate that. So to, to set the stage, I'd love to kind of start exploring before we, we kind of segue into NUMA with your athletic backgrounds and the professional pursuits that you had there. I'd love if you could just share a bit about what that was like and how 
you know, in in kind of the the formative years building up to, to Numa, what that experience was was all about. Sure, Brandon speaking. Um, for <laughs> uh, we grew up in a sports house, and just we were from the time we were, uh, you know, hockey specifically, got our first like skating lessons when we were three or four years old. But we're just the kids who played on baseball, soccer, football wrestling we were that was just our family and we were kind of whatever it was we were up to play it and trying our best we and then i feel like at our house there were the backyard baseball and hockey in the basement where it was super competitive and people were coming over and that was just the dna of of who we were from a very very young age and we're fortunate enough that we're able to play collegiately and then through you know semi-professional levels and I, I guess I feel like it was always just so long. we're trying to get to the next level. Like when you're in, you know, a teenager, I want to make the high school team. I want a high school team. I want to go play college. I want to college. I want to go to play pro. And, and it was, it was just a very carrot and stick next level. I feel like of just trying to, trying to get to the next level of sports. And, and that was just a, a big part of who we were and didn't, you know, I guess the, the other part that is obviously very important. We did have parents that that really set awesome examples of just who they were as people and their values, but also pushed us really hard to to do well in the classroom. So, if I but I already used the analogy, but it was just like the rewards of of you know doing homework or behaving were always more opportunities to play sports, and I think that was really who we were for a while. And you kept you kept getting that carrot at the end of the stick. Yeah, we right? yeah we, we we did for a long way. Um, and in terms of our, our level of hockey, made it to what was uh, you know most people understand that the baseball minor league system. So we got to double A. So you know there was there was a level between us and there was the NHL. So we we made it we made it pretty far. Went all the way. Had a lot of a lot of buddies that we you know played with over the over the years that that did get there. And I feel like to anyone who would watch, it's, you know, really not perceptively different, but uh, there was definitely, definitely a difference. And, and that as was winding down for both of us kind of laid the, laid the tracks for Numa. Got it. And, and where, how did you kind of balance when you ultimately decided to, to start Numa, the kind of pro athletic aspirations you had with, you know, these, these entrepreneurial aspirations was, was building a company, something you had a desire to do or was, you know, what was the process there? Yeah. You know, so this is Jared here and, you know, the Numa story, especially as it started was definitely intertwined with that athletic background that, that Brandon just talked about. And so the idea for Numa started while I was actually still in college. Uh, and so actively playing and Brandon was playing in the minors at the time. And it wasn't necessarily something that was a total eureka moment. We have to start this drop what you're doing kind of thing. And so kind of to actually to back up a little bit. So when we got to college, um, just as young guys, teenagers, whatever, you know, we're, we're obviously excited to, to kind of hit that milestone and, and hit that goal. But one of the things that we were really excited about was like getting free stuff. And so, you know, free equipment, we've been paying for skates forever, whatever these things cost a thousand bucks and we get them for free now. And this is all great. And part of that, though, was free sports drinks. And for me, as I 
started using them like a lot more than I ever had in the past. I started getting realizing I was getting like acid reflux from them. It wasn't really sitting well. I was getting like a burning in my throat and all this kind of stuff that I realized like I kind of want to take this out of my regimen and my routine. And so fast forward to going into my senior year in terms of, you know, really kind of getting into that, like, did we think we were going to start this? Like, I honestly thought I was going to go work on Wall Street, going back to to where you're from. And, you know, I had a I had a, an internship there and, you know, private banking. Brandon was about to be taking the GMATs as he were kind of just both thinking, you know, what's what's going to be happening next? Got home from New York, took me a little bit, but very much realized that wasn't for me <laughs> and that I didn't like what I was doing at all. Yeah. And then had a kind of ironically an entrepreneurship class my freshman year or my freshman year my first semester of my senior year taught by a guy from shaker heights um so Mm -hmm. i was out in providence where um my school was in providence but the the teacher was from shaker and i loved the class and really got me excited about just entrepreneurship in general didn't necessarily like think like i have to start a company and then the idea for numa happened like two weeks after that class finished or at least that idea kind of came up and it was between our business partner, Chris, who's kind of, you know, chairman of the board type and, and the three of us. So it was the three of us to start. And the idea was, can you make a non-acidic pH balance kind of alkaline sports drink? And so for me, it was almost like, so then at this point I'm heading in second semester, senior year of college, I was, had the foresight enough to, to, to do enough work to have a really light load so I could you know, enjoy <laughs> that last semester. But it also allowed me that kind of the time and the bandwidth to almost just add another course into my life that was like NUMA. And it almost was just like a a, taking this class again instead of like faking making a company. I was just like, all right, we're just going to kind of work on this thing on the side. And and I I knew Brandon, you know, minor league hockey life is, you know, you're done with practice by 11 a.m. and everyone else is playing video games. I was like, I know you're not doing anything. Uh, <laughs> let's just start working on this. And it was just like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point of it? What do we do? It's like, I don't know. This is just something that like seems fun for us to put our minds towards. And like, yeah, Brandon, like as you know, I try and I tell the story all the time, but it's just like, I don't think we really even like, we're like, all right, it's time to make this a company when I kind of, you know, buzzy on the phone about like what we were working on in the early days. For me, I, I remember too, like studying, studying for the GMAT sucked, um, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> being these like just really just, and, and sorry for anyone who's going through that right now, but it's just like, it's just like super, it's, it's just, you're reading super dry testing yeah. books and it just reminded me of taking the SATs and all it, and it was, it was painful. And, you know, I, I'm definitely not in terms of who I am as, as an entrepreneur, I would say we're probably not the like the guys who are just going to like put everything together in some perfect Excel spreadsheet that is like, there's our formula that makes this whole thing work. We're, right, we're right. we have a lot more, I would say, you know, we rely on a motor and, and there's a lot of grit to get things done most of the time, but it's always the prettiest way. So, you know, when I, when I was given this kind of choice of like, do you want to like sit here and just stick on this, like studying for your GMATs? Or do you want to like, just start something that's going to be a lot more just, you know, you're just going to start trying to put together a plan. You're going to Google stuff and just put it all in a doc. And we're just going to start banging ideas back and forth. That was so much more up my alley of how I just operate and think about problems that it, it quickly became 
you know, it, it was just, it was consuming and I just was, couldn't put it down. Yeah. On the consuming front, I don't know, whenever startup inspiration comes up as an idea, it just always seems to come back to this idea that people are like solving their own problems. And when you're like solving your own problems, it is just the best source of that early stage motivation. Totally. And, and for me, that one season when we were just getting going on it, we were, you know, particularly like the example of consuming for me, we were in the game seven of like the semifinals of our league. And I stayed up till 3 a.m. working on what, what we considered our business plan was like who we were giving it to or turning it into. Like, I have no idea, but I just stayed up till 3 a.m. the night before, like the biggest game of the season, because I just was consumed. And it was a not that I needed like an aha moment that I wanted to do this, but in retrospect, and then even else has happened, it's just like, wow, I'm, I'm really into this. And it's how I wanted to be spending my time that, you know, that night and going forward. Yeah. And I was going to say that just like the hustle and the grind definitely sucked us in without even knowing it. And, and also go and the hustle and the grind in relation to it and in perspective of like trying to achieve a goal of just like, that's how we were wired since like Brandon was saying, since we were like three or four was just like, okay, there's something that I like doing. Okay. You have to work hard to go achieve it. And like when we kind of, we can get fairly, I don't want to say single track mind, but it was just like, we like that type of challenge and, and putting our effort in towards it. And, and a little bit of like, let's put the blinders on and do whatever it takes to, to achieve whatever that goal is that we really, really want. And, and starting NUMA, that's what that filled for us as, you know, I played one year of pro and, and I knew that I was going to be only doing one and I was working on NUMA on the side because I could already see that fulfilling that type of desire in my life of like what really gets me excited. It was already kind of trumping what my hockey flame was at that point. And maybe that was me just being like, shit, I reached the top of my <laughs> playing career and there's no more going up. So I try to do something else to be great at. But we kind of realized that in ourselves pretty quickly. That is just like it really served a and, and it's not even like a competitiveness. Like people always kind of think like, oh, you play hockey at a high level. It's just like you must be so competitive. And it's just like it's it's almost more of like an internal an intrinsic motivation and competitiveness as opposed to just like, let's go crush the competition. Like, right, right, right. We don't really have that mindset to how we operate. Do, do you find yourself channeling some of the thinking philosophy mentality from hockey into the, the world of NUMA? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And our hockey careers, I think, very much mimicked what, as we see of just like, you know, being a startup in the CPG space where we were, I mean, you made it, made it to college and made it through there into the minors. That is everyone who gets to that level was the best guy on their high school team and probably every team they had been on to that point. And then you get there and you quickly realize that everyone else tells that same story and you're, you're no longer the top of the depth chart. And what our, our stories for just hockey were that we had to, as we got to those higher levels, just really change our games in terms of like, I had always played offense and now I had to play defense and now had to like, you know, work, you know, you're no longer the guy scoring goals, but you're really have to play this other role. And neither of us were, were drafted in the NHL, but showed up, you know, to, to training camps where there's NHL draft picks there and they're in the locker room next to you. And, and 
you're there and all of a sudden like you think you got you get by the first round of cuts and then there's like three more NHL bags that show up and you're like shit this is not good <laughs> and I think the way of saying it is like we really realized how oftentimes just just cutthroat a lot of these you know the, the that the sport and the industries are but it was really in terms of how the person above us was making decisions whether so you know the coach then aka the grocery buyer it's like he's not he's not cutting you cuz he has some personal vendetta against you like he's here to he's here to paid to win games and here to pick the products they think are going to perform the best in their category and at the end of the day their job is on the line so they're making the best decisions they absolutely can and oftentimes when you're the person they're not choosing and I think a lot of like why we were able to stick around in hockey for a while is that we were had did a good job internalizing the deficiencies in our game and we're able to translate those to, you know, I know I have to work on this type of thing if I want to stick around at this level. And I think that was a lot for just how we take what, you know, oftentimes could seem like bad news and, and just that you're, you're, you're inevitably going to hear no's and get turned down. And, and it really is, you know, for us, I think the biggest thing with that hockey mentality and just, just sports in general is just, getting us to really look in the mirror and understand how we could be better and making those types of uh, improvements in, in our game and, and, and really, you know, not taking it personally that someone cut you, someone traded you, someone, whatever. It's just like someone there is just inevitably looking at, you know, and especially in the grocery space, just a lot of numbers and some data here. And of course they see some trends. They're trying to fit, figure out where you fit in, but they have to make a call. And, Oftentimes, you know, if it's not you, you know, I'm saying you can be like, man, that guy's an idiot. He, you know, this so-and-so brand probably came in and paid him a bunch of money to take our spot. Or you could like really try and think about what are the reasons we didn't hit the numbers that even if there was so-and-so brand who came in with like the brink's truck of money to get it on the shelf, like that's what the game is. So you're going to need to be able to perform at that level or you're just not going to make it. And I think just, Understanding a lot of what those the cold, what you would perceive as like the cold and the unfair realities of sports, really show up a lot in in that CPG you know space when you're talking about retail and stuff like that. Yeah, it might be jumping the gun a little because I definitely want to still talk about the sure. kind of the creation. But when you, when you think about competition, right? I just feel like in retrospect, what you've built at this point seems obvious now. Like it's a good idea. Like there was clearly a need. You guys are finding. The opportunity for growth and, and and growing the business, but I feel like they're obvious, but only in retrospect. And and when you have one of those good ideas, it it could feel like you're too late. And I feel like coming into the the space specifically that you guys are in, where you just have all these companies, you know, there's a there a countless number of drinks, massive companies with massive market share. How how do you prevent feeling like deterred by that by the sheer scale of the competition early on and yeah, it sounds like it's more motivating to you guys than it is deterring, but you know, I think it's it's probably two things. And first one tying into what Brandon was just saying is just like we got ourselves into this, so don't even worry about like what the, the odds are. And that is just like we're gonna control what we can control and we're gonna evaluate the market and we're gonna understand what the rules of the game are as best we can, and we're gonna try to understand our audience and try to find our niche and get ourselves as smart as we can. And 
the idea of fretting over what one of the two big dogs are doing and what product they may be releasing and, and whatever that may be is very akin to like they just brought in another guy who is just playing at a higher level and is playing my same position it's just like what am i going to do about it right now it's just like we, we talk about it. it's just like i'm going to throw his stuff in the shower and i'm gonna am i gonna like 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 break his skates or something he's like no it's just like i'm gonna go out there and do what i can do and control what i can control and work like hell for that space of what i can control that's kind of how we view like a lot of the like happenings in our space big guys small guys whatever it may be and even conversely it's just like all right what can we use from what they're doing to learn and be better and what can we use especially with the big guys like what can we use against them <laughs> and understand you know what the marketplace is and as we're developing it is really understanding of just like how important it is to understand your audience and picking a niche and, and when it is just like 99% of the general sports drink market is owned by two players. And, you know, now there's a third who just is getting bought by one of the two. So it's just like, it's still just like two companies just, you know, right. dominating it. And that is just like, let them play their game. Do not try to outspend them and sign more athletes. It's just like, that's a, that's a bridge to nowhere. So it's just like, how can we develop our plan and our product to, really service someone who's disenfranchised with what they're getting. And that's, again, it's nothing that crazy to think about, but it's just like really understanding that, leaning into that, you know, it took us a while and we understood it in concept, even like from the start, that's what we were trying to do. But to put that into practice and what it really means to listen to your audience and then to execute on that and execute well upon that, that took us a while, but that's also just like, that's the recipe for us to be successful against some brands that have way more resources than us. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of, of recipe, I would love to talk about the inception of that in the early days because, and this had to be like my most naive, just like interpretation of thinking about how you guys must've started this thing. But I feel like for a lot of us, our first like real world experience comes like from starting a lemonade stand <laughs> as children. And it's like, you, it's this rite of passage where the whole, you know, you get the table on the street and you, hone in and find the right balance of the freshly squeezed lemon juice and the sugar and getting the recipe right. And I, I have no idea how you guys went about this, but in the earliest days of Numa, what, what is the process of like actually creating a non-acidic drink? Like how did yeah. you even approach that? So for us, you know, we aren't food scientists or we don't have grandma's secret sauce recipe kind of thing that we were leaning into. So in the beginning, it was really just tapping into, and, and so therefore knowing that we weren't going to be able to produce this even for ourselves with the with what the idea was internally and so it was just like really tapping into our network into googling whatever and just figuring out like okay like what are the first steps to to doing like what this like to bringing this idea to fruition luckily we we did have enough in the network and it was really crude in the beginning and we were definitely you know <laughs> getting ingredients from the wrong place and all that kind of stuff. But it was just like, we were just getting initial prototypes. And again, I was still in college and we're getting, you know, unmarked bags of white powder sent to the hockey house <laughs> delivered <laughs> and just like, it tastes terrible. And it's just like, I'm telling my, all my buddies know about it. And they're like, you want to try this again? You want to try this white powder? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's just like, so that's like how it started and how it started, how it's going. Um, In the early days, so much of that too, was just like, and it's probably um, something that says our house, our house goes probably not even that different. It was just like, Hmm, 
what minerals are are acidic, what minerals are alkaline, and just be like, okay, so maybe <laughs> yeah. we can use some of these things and not some of these things, and then you start building on a lot of those. For us, there were incredibly basic queries that we were trying to build it off of, and. I've said it like many Basic? times. Basic was that a, was that a pH joke? Oh, oh yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> <Zing. laughs> um, but it was a lot about yeah. just like you know we go- uh, there's so many things we just didn't know that we just googled our way into just finding out enough about and then to eventually come to someone who you know generally was more qualified with a couple letters behind their name that we could bring some some idea that like okay so I know this is kind of out there but can you kind of validate what this is. And that was what a lot of we, what we leaned into. I would say then as it evolved, kind of even going back to that question of just like, how do we compete against, especially the big guys? And it's just like getting an initial prototype out there, understanding it's probably not perfect. And then really trying to figure out what our audience cares about. And that's, that's really how we've evolved our product and got a lot smarter about like what, not only just like the science behind it, but like what should be in there um, in terms of what makes sense for what people are asking for. And so, you know, long story short, like we, we quickly pivoted off of the focal point being a non-acidic and pH balanced sports drink and, and really got ourselves into using organic and real ingredients that have high functionality and no added sugar. And that's just, that's the umbrella and that's the, that's the box we play within. And from there, we're able to kind of then you know, figure out how can we solve different needs for people's different states in their fitness journey. And, you know, we've launched some other products around that, but that for us in terms of like actual formula. As we settled into that and understood it better by, you know, really defining those parameters and then specifically for us, understanding that where we were going to put ourselves, we weren't going to go out there and say like, you're going to bench more. You're going to run a faster 40. You're going to jump higher. And here's all the, here's the paper and the study we did that proves that because we, we decided we weren't, that wasn't going to be our route. And we were going to build upon other food trends that we could really just validate by just no added sugar is a big thing. Wow. Numa has no added sugar. It's, honestly, it's almost like hiding in plain sight. But the, the juxtaposition on some of those things really, at the end of the day, played into people who didn't need to have a nutritionist validate this idea. It was fewer, fewer ingredients. They're all like organic coconut water things. I know and understand that the actual figuring this out and the optimal level of what that's supposed to be, we, we understood that probably wasn't going to be our strength. So we... And, and, you know, really found a market and a way to make a product that could work for that type of consumer where they didn't really care. It was just like, you know, does this make me run fast? Like, I care that there's no added sugar and positioning yourself that way to really take advantage of who you are. Right. And it seems like your whole initial like go to market strategy building on the, the product strategy is very much in the same vein of just like makes a lot of sense. I know you guys at this point have a pretty like dominant presence here in, in Cleveland you know, athletic facilities. I see you guys everywhere over, you know, different fitness places, but was it in in the early days, just, you know, going direct to those places where you knew the kind of people that, again, going back to the idea of solving your own problems that, you know, you, this was a product that you wanted yourself finding those people that, that would, that would resonate with. Yeah, totally. And even before we launched, we were, you know, from like pre-launch surveys and, and everything, understanding that there was a much more addressable market 
outside of typical bat and ball and, and sports in terms of just like, you know, it's just like, wow, like we have our highest rate rated, you know, user profile, our yogis are just like, that's kind of saying something. And no one that's 18 really cares about what we are like proposing here. And these just like, even in, in the, uh, the pre-launch surveys. And so what we really then decided to do was to build a brand more and more towards this audience. That is just like, for us, it's a shift in mentality of, you know, I'm proactively here at this yoga, CrossFit spinning boutique fitness studio. Cause I love the, benefits of it. And presumably I like putting products in my body that help me on that journey. And as opposed to one trying to think about like, you know, are you trying to get just the masses where it's just like, this is a diet drink. And I'm kind of just like, I begrudgingly go to the gym and don't really necessarily care. I just know I should be doing it. And then also knowing that like, we're not targeting kids. Like they don't really care. They care about seen LeBron James uh, <laughs> on the uh, the promotional. So that's what really guided us in the beginning. And that kind of, I think, intuition was pretty spot on. And, and then in terms of like that go-to-market initial strategy, it's just like we were just out there so much. And any workout in Cleveland, circa 2013 to 16, like there was a good chance if it was like a, you know, a class of public, class, like we were going to try to find a way to get there or like, you know, pretty much every studio had, had seen us with a cooler full of Numas. And it was fantastic for us to, to again, really get in front of what we thought our target audience was and just listen, learn, see how it operates, see how people use it, understand what they care about, you know, they don't always know you're the founder and they'll tell you, some people will tell you regardless, but like, it's great, honestly, when they don't know and they can be that absolutely candid and honest. And like, yeah, yeah. that was really just the incubation of our product. Yeah. Is, is that channel? I would say like the, uh, the slang term for that. And, and you know, it, it wasn't the initial grocery stuff. It's just man in a van. And it was just literally the Numa bros and the Numa, the Numa van and, for people who have been here for a while and, you know, you probably saw it around 271, 480 and 90 over there. Like it was just cruising around. Like we were out like doing, like showing up. And, yeah. and I would say my plug, bringing it home to, to Cleveland too, is, you know, obviously we were from here and when we were thinking about, you know, as we were finishing hockey and like, where are we going to go to do this? And the, the, the partner that we work with is from Southern California and, and he was, saying like guys we're in like the the fitness cap you know fitness and you know healthy diets and lifestyle like this is it we need to you guys we should be launching this here and i think we just knew we we pushed back and i don't even know totally why we were so like wanted to dig our heels in so hard but we just believed and i think had this like gut that like if we're gonna do it we should we'll just be better in our own hometown. And that was totally right. And, and so many of those places that Jared was talking about, <laughs> every yoga spinning CrossFit studio or any group that was, you know, like a run club here, we didn't know any, any or many of the owners, but one in a town this size, you're usually like one or two degrees of separation away from anyone you really want to meet. And for the cold calls that we did, a shitload of them anyways. We didn't even go through that. I was just like, hey, we're we're 
two young guys trying to start this company. We're from the area. We have this healthy drink. Can we come pass out, you know, some free samples to your class? And everyone's like, hell yeah, sounds good. You know, I'd love to have you. So, you know, the Midwest nice plug or whatever it is, is that we had a lot of those just barriers to entry that if we, if we would have chose trying to go to SoCal, I don't even like where, where would I even start and who am I going to call? And then when they answer, you know, when I cold call them or they answer me, like, what am I going to tell them um, about why they should let me, you know, come into their place and pass it out, pass up, pass up products. So we use that to our advantage and it was really important. Yeah. So you guys were, we're not sacrificing health for <laughs> the building of this business in the early days. No. Drank <laughs> <laughs> enough Numa. Yeah, practicing what you preach. That's awesome. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Numa, like the word, what, like the brand and the, what, what is the meaning of, of Numa? And where does that come from? How we named it was actually a pretty good reflection on us already kind of picking up where this thing should be headed. So like initial names were one, we were like, we were really focused on the alkalinity and not acidic. So it was like 7A, like a pH of 7 and then refuel, R-E-P-H-U-E-L. And we were already just already feeling this, just like this feels too much like a sports drink that's targeted towards people who drink sports drinks. We're trying to make a sports drink for people that don't care about sports drinks anymore or are dissatisfied with them. So we shouldn't sound like one. And we went through a ton of names. We eventually got to the point where it's just like, let's just own a name. And... I, it was one of our business partner consultants at the time just had the, like, let's make an acronym and NUMA stands for no more artificials. So obviously it's a a little fudgery with the double O and and whatnot, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we, we like that in terms of one, just the sound of no, we didn't want a negative to to start our, to start the brand name. And then as we were kind of getting designs made, really liked it with the infinity and, and for us, the, that idea of the continual journey and balance, maybe marketing fluff, but <laughs> we actually feel very strongly on that. And even, you know, our, our, our mission statement of helping and inspiring people to be the best, healthiest version of themselves. is just like, that's a journey. And we call, you know, the pursuit, pursuit of the ultimate you, whatever that is, it's just like, it's not about winning championships and it's not running your fastest 40, like Brandon said. And so that infinity even more, even so than no more artificials, this probably means even more to us about what the brand stands for and, and as it's evolved and, and what that, the name and, the, and our logo really kind of embody. Yeah. And was the URL available? <laughs> uh, not Numa. I forget what, yeah, we, we weren't really sure. So it's drink Numa is, is what it is. And we weren't exactly sure what to do. And this kind of saw at that point, there still weren't a ton of brands doing the like drink Numa or, you know, like yeah, yeah. bar life or something like that or whatever. But yeah, it, and it, we, <laughs> we weren't ready to pay for it either. So we're, we're now stuck with the handle and all social or the, the URL and all social handles are all drink Numa now. And so it is kind of, it is what it is. And it's just like people just like, and hey, we got drink Numa here today to ha- pass out their drinks. It's like, well, it's Numa that isn't drink, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to build on, on that, the vision and, and kind of the, the higher level, you know, goal and, you know, what you're working towards and, and just kind of first set the stage, like where is NUMA today and where, 
where do you see it going? What is what is that impact that you you ultimately want to have? In terms of, of where we are today, we are, as a lot of brands have, had to really rethink our our channel strategy and what we're doing to get you know our product into consumers' hands and what's the smartest way to do that. You know, for for lack of a better term, we're just really leaning into e-commerce um, a lot harder than we ever had before. And and frankly, we were already kind of on that shift before the pandemic, but it's just a big focus for us for for a multitude of reasons. And 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 really driving into that is is what we're doing, and and it's part of the. Our strategy of launching new products and how we're showing up in terms of, you know, how we're marketing and using social media and, and whatnot to, to drive trial and all that. That is just like a lot of that is is shifted towards a direct to consumer model in the area. It's not like we're especially like in the area, Cleveland, even just the region. We aren't like pulling ourselves out of any retailers and still definitely like, you know, especially in the Cleveland area, it's just like so much love for for again, giving us the the chance to get on the shelves there and, and still continue to be awesome accounts for us and hopefully them too. But kind of state of the union of where we're at in terms of the bigger, bigger picture is is really leaning into that. And, and we also see that too business-wise as we can develop strong. And, and the reason, so I should say, one of the reasons that we really, really like this model, it allows us to build stronger and deeper relationships with our customers. And what that can do though, then is help us be a lot stronger as we expand outside and, and again, expand outside of the region where everyone doesn't know the, the Numa Bro story and hasn't seen the, the mystery mobile <laughs> with us with a ton of drinks in the back kind of thing, right? So it's just like the more that we can really lean into that and build a national brand presence and that takes a lot of work as we've realized over and over again that is just like that helps us as we kind of chart things out of where we think we want to go in the longer term a lot of our understanding of just our business was understanding just a channel strategy concept of the you know the dollars we were making selling on our website to a gym or yoga studio and then into retail specifically, you know, as, as in accounts outside of our market where we, you know, the places where you, you we love the story off, just like, I, I see you in like every gym. I just like, yeah, that, that helps a lot <laughs> in retail. And when, when it's, yes. it's someone's, you know, people are, they're not discovering the brand there. And I had a, a founder from another um, from a bar company told me this, and it's it's so spot on, and it took us a while to learn. But he told us that grocery is either going to be an expensive acquisition or a profitable retention place for you. And and for us, it, we've we've had had really seen in Cleveland where he said we were in every gym and studio in our place. So when we when we showed up on shelves, uh, it wasn't that enough people knew us that. In terms to to be able to create the sales velocities that we needed, we were able to do it because we were showing up to to the turkey trot with a zillion coupons and just passing them out to everyone. Right, right. And things like that could drive scale, could drive sales. And we're we're so bullish on being able to do those types of things because the further you start getting outside of you know show up and like I said somewhere you think it'd be awesome, like show up and 
Denver or wherever food place that's supposed to be like really on on trend, they don't know us. So we we show up on a shelf and it's going to be tough sledding. And, and we do know that at least with the way this industry works right now, definitely the lion's share of dollars and volume goes through traditional brick and mortar. But your ability to actually compete there and get in and start swinging at the big boys. I think back, back to the beginning, the early questions are just like, you, you can't you can't just expect that people are just going to like mosey down the aisle and like, oh, this sounds nice. Um, you know, I, I was going to buy this, but I'm, I'm really in a discovery mode and I'll look at the label and I'll try it. Like, it doesn't happen. People know what they're getting before the store. And if we're trying to flag people down in the store on the first time, it's tough sledding. So just just really thinking about the really, really reading the and understanding the story of what has made us successful and making sure that we stick to that as we look to grow. And for us, it really means that a lot of the grocery growth is going to be back burner. And then in terms of just kind of brand vision, you know, I think some of the stuff that we're excited about is, again, looking back at what our audience gets excited about from us. And it's just like, okay, so how can we do a better job of telling the, the NUMA brand story, and I think people really resonate with the entrepreneurial, the hustle, the, the you know, uh, brothers in a family-founded company. And then, so there's that whole bit. And then another big piece is is highlighting and doing more with our sweat and do good. And just something that, you know, it's not like it's a formal thing, but, you know, a, a department, quote unquote, of our company focused on, obviously, the charitable efforts of, you know, we, we do so much in this industry and we, we fully recognize that we are tapping into two markets that are for affluent people. It's like organic and healthier and more expensive drinks and food and beverage and boutique fitness. And it's just like, okay, so what can we do? And it's just like, and I think, for us, it's just kind of just as Brandon said, the parents giving us those good morals is just like where there's the where's the there's the disconnect of we're trying to make difference in people's lives, but we're we're kind of targeting people that have a lot of privilege. And so it's just like our sweat and do good is is all about how can we enable people that may not have that access for whatever reason to either products like ours or fitness and, and like those those awesome benefits of group fitness or, or any type of, of activities, just like how can we help and support those types of causes? And, you know, even the, the plug for our two partners that are both local ZenWorks, they provide yoga and, and mental health training for at-risk youth throughout schools across the city. And then ASPO, they help people with disabilities, you know, get into athletics and they have teams and leagues and Brandon and I went and played sled hockey. And it's like, those are the things that like we want to, do a better job one storytelling about and then growing our efforts. And that's really just like, again, where, where we see a little bit of that triple bottom line flywheel is just like the more that we can grow our products and our reach and smartly do that and in profitable ways that allows us to then continue to tell and expand our story, which is hopefully a good story and one that people can get behind well, then all of a sudden they can buy more products that can help us tell our story better and, and kind of move forward like that. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been the dream and the mission for a long time. When we started, it was always about more than just drinks. We can feel ourselves getting closer and closer kind of to 
to being able to to make it more to take it from just a, an at-home backyard story to something that can be a little bit bigger and so we're excited about how can we work relentlessly to to allow ourselves that that ability to to grow that story and to 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 tell it to a lot more people and with some of that i think some of the things that we've found that is authentic to us and made a lot of sense i guess with with where the world was last year with one of our partners in particular like pretty much like every you know non you know nonprofit and charitable organization last year was tough on a lot of people so they were you know looking for ways yeah. to to raise money and and it's also like we can't get anyone together but we can't so like this is just you know every every option sucks so Jared and I and and us was like okay what are the things we could do and we did through our you know promoted it through our social and, and put it out there where we had a Numa Bro Olympics where we were doing different fitness activities and chugging drinks and the the what we did is we had our fans just bet on who they think would win and we donated it all and to to the charity and you know people on our website were able to who donated could get you know a half off on their next order so it was it was a win-win for everyone but it, it also just told the story of just who we are it was just like yeah we're fitness guys trying to help these guys out this is kind of the only way we have it was a it was a very I would say crude it was just like it wasn't pretty it was like we have this that the Numa gym is in the back of our warehouse and our mom was a gym teacher so we got a lot of their old stuff and then have pieced together our own so it's a glorified home gym so we're like let's just do a thing here and people can bet on it and just to us but that's that's the story really of just who we are we're just guys who work out in a warehouse who are trying to you know and, and, and we're finding ways that could you know support our partners and just trying to lean into who we are. So I think just there's a lot of that behind the scenes of us that is a, just a cool part of the story. Yeah, I'll pull on the the Numa Bros thread for a bit and and love to just get your perspective on, you know, like what are the things that you feel like you've been able to do as a consequence of building this as brothers that, you know, maybe other co-founders where it, it's always one of the most challenging things in a startup is, you know, finding the right person to align with and and build this thing together that that's allowed you to to do and and just kind of the dynamics of that, you know, personally, I've, I, I have two younger brothers and I've always kind of wanted to start something with them as well. So what would, and also what would your advice be then? Yeah, it's definitely something that we always get asked on and like, and for good reason, I generally think that there's not much middle ground of how it goes. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I started a business with my dad. It's like, how's it going? It's like, it's just okay. Like, it's like, there you get along like, pretty of well. Not a lot Yeah, there's just like, no, we're at each other's throats. We're like, this is awesome kind of thing. And, and for us, um, well, we're still here. So at least from my perspective, it, it, you know, it has been awesome. And, you know, I think that what we really understood going into it, and particularly as we first had a, you know, first like, you know, heated conversations, it's just like, we grew up so close and you know frankly i'm 18 months younger than brandon and i was basically just following in his path and anything that he did like i was trying to do and so it was just like we were always doing the same exact things and always playing and somehow we never really actually gotten that many fights despite how competitive it all was so like we had this like lifelong like bond of always being together and having this like super high again like it's not even like i guess like competition and just like working in like kind of like high stress situations 
but not being at each other's throats. And so then like, as we transitioned into business, it turned out to be such a competitive advantage for us, understanding that it's just like, I do not have to sugarcoat anything. One, I can read when you are, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> so you should just tell me, but it's just like, we know we're all trying, we're here right now, we're an X, we're trying to get to Y, right? I know that all you're doing is trying to give me your thoughts on the absolute smartest way to get to Y, to get to that 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 goal. And even if it's completely different than what I'm thinking, and it kind of pisses me off that you're not understanding how I think we we should get there, it's just like, you're not trying to sabotage this whole thing for the hell of it. Like, you're saying it because it's what you believe. And like, having that like, really deep understanding that everything comes with a place of really good intent, that it comes with a place of love, criticism, praise, whatever. It, it just like that communication and trust that we're able to have in each other is just like, it just ends up making nearly everything work and making situations again, not that they don't get heated, not that, you know, I probably lose my temper a lot more than Brandon. So it's a good thing. He's the older brother, but it always, we're always able to be like, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's how I get, this is what I think we should be doing. Yeah, I know. And like, whatever that case may be, it's just like, because we have such a deep, just like understanding of where each of us is coming from and trusting each other that again, it turns out to be such a big competitive advantage for yeah. us. I feel like I hadn't heard this word until, I don't know, maybe the last six months and I heard it 10 times a day now, which is like the alignment is just, it's, it's perfect where we are very much on the same page of, you know, wanting to, uh, of how we're trying to get there together, how the, as the same pain point, same, and I don't know if it's, it ends up being too much group think on some things, but just, I, I think we have really tried to just the, the values of what we've made our company and like the last, you know, Jared was kind of talking around it, but productive honesty is one of the, the core values of our company of just being able to, to really just put it out there of, of where you're coming from. And that has really made it where we didn't have to, uh, you know, there really wasn't a testing out period where I had to figure out like, is this guy on the same page as me? You know, it, it just had always been there. And, Fortunately for, for me too, you should always, if you can, pick a co-founder that's smarter than you. So I lucked out on that one. Um, <laughs> we all have our Yeah, I guess I can okay. just bring the hustle and he can bring the smarts. <laughs> so it, it may work. But also too, just, just having, a, for me, just a, a ton of trust too. And frankly, just Jared's abilities. I feel like, you know, if I, if I were in a family business where we're, we're working together, it's like, if deep down you thought that like, oh, you know, I love him, but he's just not like the smartest <laughs> or whatever. I don't know if he's going to get through this. Like, I don't know, like in my mind, I, and it may even be too much. Just like, uh, why do I need to like check your work? Like, what am I going to add to this? Like you've, you already, anything that, that I could possibly think of, you've thought of that. And then three scenarios off of that. So I just have so much trust, you know, not only in him as a person, but just his ability. And I think that's just so important to, you know, probably an extra level too when you're working with a, a family member, just like, do I like them as a person? Are we gonna get along? But also do I, you know, do I always just notice like, man, that guy, he can never communicate his ideas to the people. And it's like, they never get them. And I am always in my head about that. Like I never have any of those types of words. So in terms of the, you know, the bond and the trust and 
just just where we are, it, it truly is like a one plus one equals three, where we can just really just lean on each other so much that like this thing like you got, and I don't have to worry about it. I know it's going to be taken care of better than I could ever do. Got it. And then I have my side, and he just we'll ask questions, we'll have discussions, and if I if I need feedback, we'll do it. But like he trusts I can do my end, and and we can just lean on each other to to, to care to take care of that kind of stuff and. You don't need to babysit and just make sure they're like, oh, were you going to turn that in on time or not? It's just like, it's, it's done. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome to hear. I'll kind of wind it down here. Just a, a real softball question here, but what are your, your favorite flavors? Because I, I have my own opinions about this, but yeah, yeah. I'd love to get um, your guys' perspective. <laughs> for our sports drink, it's, it's funny. We're probably sure all the same answers for this too. Um, I go between <laughs> chocolate, mint, and lemonade. And then our pre-workout, the energy drink, I like the pineapple mango the most. And then I like, I like the fruit. lime. The, I was going to say, the, I like those two of my favorites. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. And then I like the lime of our hydration mix. So mm-hmm. of, of our three product lines, those are my favorites. And for me, generally, anything with caffeine is cool. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's my direction. And then we'll tell you about the new product that's launching next time. So, you know, look out for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming, coming soon. Coming A couple soon. weeks here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fourth product line from NUMA before the end of next month. So. Right on, right on. I will say the, the chocolate mint is my favorite as well. So, but, yours, yeah. so it, people are afraid to try it because it's a chocolate mint sports drink, which right. is you'd I be would, afraid I, to try I, it. <laughs> then you try it and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that is. yeah. It's, it's, it's a little interesting case study on just that phenomenon that outside of Cleveland, it does terribly in grocery stores <laughs> where it's just like, again, like we have, we aren't able to like let people know about it really well before they're there, but through our website and Amazon and our wholesale business, it's our top selling sports drink skew where it's a, an audience of people who have tr- in, in general have like tried them more and have tried all the flavors. A lot of people come through a variety trial pack that it's literally the worst in retail and the best on all other platforms that kind of have longer. Bring, bring that back a little full. I think that was probably one of our biggest fights at, at one point. <laughs> at one point, um, I was just bringing, bringing the numbers and, and having a conversation with Jared about, you know, <laughs> about where chocolate was about in just where it was in retail and just saying like I, I know we love it but is there is there enough here to carry it and we're trying to hit minimum runs and no it's just like it's it moves so much slower and it's going to age out and we're having all these things I, I know we think it's good but we didn't really stick with this and that was the, it was one of the biggest fights we had and uh thankfully <laughs> yeah I caved. Lost my shit. I lost. I lost that one. <laughs> he won it. It's here. It's not going anywhere. And and, and just. I'm you know, glad. I'm glad yeah. Jared won that one. And, and, yeah. and as we've grown, <laughs> we all yeah, are. It's not going anywhere. So <laughs> that's awesome. It's like the it's like the hidden gem, which will be my cheesiest segue to talk about hidden gems of Cleveland, which is the collective collage that we are building of. Uh, everyone who's come on, just things that are not necessarily your favorite thing in Cleveland, but that other people may not know about. Okay. People know about it, but it's not, you know, in your face every day. Metro Parks. And being from Cleveland my whole life, you know, going through the winters makes you really appreciate when it's nice out. And <laughs> throughout, throughout these months when, and, and also, you know, now with, with kind of where Numa is, like we, 
we actively get outside, try to find a metro park, try to find somewhere where we can either one, you know, take fun fitness photos, build content, but also just on our own. And I've talked about this on nonstop. Just like get outside and work out and do something outside and sweat outside because, you know, we all know there's six months of the year where you can't even think about it. So when I can, when I can get it in like that and, and be out outside and there's, there's so many Metro parks that are amazing. And I feel like the one that I, I didn't even realize was right by us, but the Euclid Creek one by a warehouse, it's amazing. And it was never, it was never something that I was thinking about. I need to get there. And now I do. And the other day, like I, I put on my roller blades and rolled one of the whole way around it. It was awesome. I would say mine, mine's a place. This is a reflection on them that also just kind of what we do. So I would say a cork and bottle, um, <laughs> the restaurant. Um, I don't know if you ever, have you ever been there, Jeff? I, I have not been. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of a hole in the wall. It's over. It's on the east side. It's right by uh, Hillcrest. Hillcrest Hospital. Yeah. And mm-hmm. great little watering hole. Such amazing prices. It's just like it's so Cleveland. The, the food is great. Um, but the, we really love it, though, is because, you know, before pandemic, when we were run a men's league hockey team that we take all too seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, definitely have that rep. But, you know, we win championships. So that's when it is about winning <laughs> championships is men's league. But then after the games, we'd go to the cork and bottle and, you know, it's like $2 Coronas in the summer and you're getting hot uh, chicken. uh, What is it? Cheat meal because we are generally vegan, but the the, uh, once a week spicy garlic parm chicken wings. Yeah, we'll do. We'll have a cheat meal with that. It's just like that is it. That's living right there. So that's my hidden gem. Right on. We'll definitely be checking it out. Well, well, Brandon, Jared, I really appreciate uh, you guys coming on and, and telling your story. All right, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's awesome to hear. It was fun. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, if, if folks have anything that they would like to follow up with you about beyond just tracking down the van, where's the, <laughs> the best place for them to, to find you? You can just uh, you can email either of us, Brandon at DrinkNuma, Jared at DrinkNuma, or just head to the website, DrinkNuma.com contact us form and it'll it'll find its way yeah brandon's regular jared's a two r jared so it'll bounce back at you if you spell it with one so (laughs) (laughs) well awesome thank you guys for sure that's all for this week thanks for listening we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show so shoot us an email at layoftheland at upside.fm or find us on twitter at pod layoftheland at the tegan or at sternhefe j-e-f-e We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please email us or find us on Twitter and let us know. And if you love our show, please leave a review on iTunes. That goes a long way in helping us spread the word and continue to help bring high-quality guests to the show. Taken Horton and Jeffrey Stern developed the Lay of the Land podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Founders Get Funds and its affiliates or actual and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.